With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into the Blake Street Tavern, which hosts the finest Arnold Palmers in town. Uh, Seriously. Every time I come here, Arnold Palmer, I don't get Arnold Palmers anywhere. I don't even buy them in the stores anymore, but here every time, Arnold Palmer. You always have those like things that you just associate with certain meals. Like I remember for a long time, I had to have a Coke when I was eating Qdoba, which is trash, obviously, Qdoba's trash. But there's certain times where you associate certain things or certain hot sauces. Like I only eat Chipotle with Chipotle hot sauce, uh, the Chipotle Tabasco. Just certain things go with certain stuff, and somehow... Arnold Palmer's and the Blake and the Blake Street Tavern and the BSN Buffs podcast in the summer match made in heaven. It's like the perfect trifecta. And if you want to get in on this, you know, it's Park and Blake right here on the corner, a couple blocks away from Coors Field. It's the perfect place. Rockies in the second half. They're playing well. They'll probably make the playoffs. Stop by here before you're going out to a game. If you got a date, I've brought an, I brought a date in here before. Yes, I've had a date before, and I've brought a date here before, and she liked it. I was here with my <laughs> friend yesterday. My friend very much liked it as well. I've watched games in here. Not a bad review of the Blake Street Tavern to be had. I took my first girlfriend here on our six-month anniversary. Bad move or good move? I don't know. We'll let the audience ponder as the intro plays. This is the BSN Denver Buffs Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Still in 40, 45, 50, 40, 35, breaking away, two tackles to be Bill Lindsay, 10, 5, touchdown, Colorado! You're my dream. You're my dream. I started calling him Mike Mack and Crier. Yeah, How does I'm he looking, find love you, at the Walrus? You know. You can't find love at Rihanna the Walrus. Rihanna said you can. <laughs> I <laughs> know. <laughs> Stop. No, I've never been mad before. Now, you are your hosts, Ryan Koenigsberg, Jake Shapiro, and Ali Monroy. Step one, be attractive. Step two, don't be unattractive. Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast coming to you from the Blake Street Tavern. As we said, I am Jake Shapiro, and I am joined by the champion of the – what was the name of the tournament? Well, I'm not the cha- the champion. No, you're, you're the, the media champion there you go. of the Cas- – Cascati Classic. Okay, Cascati the Cascati Classic. Classic. Ryan Koningsberg, folks, shot a 76 yes, sir. to win the media portion of the Cascati Classic, leading anyone in the media that decided to enter – uh, he crushed the other CU beat writers. Sorry, Adam, I love you. Um, and Brian, uh, honestly, I'm happy for you, Brian. Improvement. Hey. Like, you were happy for yourself. I'm happy for you if you're happy f- with yourself on that one. Yeah, I mean, he broke 120. That was his goal coming in. and Like, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I, set goals and achieve them. 
yeah, I, I think that's, uh, you know, my goal is I have never won the media portion. So Brian and I both set, our, set goals and accomplish them, and who's to say which one is better? I couldn't. Uh, big shout-out to rookie Chase Howell on the tournament, shot an 86. Very impressive. I think he was third among media members that I saw on the list. Um, Ron Zapolo snuck in there. Ron Zapolo. He's only playing golf nowadays. He was wearing a Zapolo shirt. Um, <laughs> but, but for real, I can tell how good a guy. <laughs> Why are you laughing at that? It's probably a good time to point out that Allie isn't here to, to check us on our puns, so uh, prepare yourselves, I suppose. I can tell how good a guy is at golf by how tan they are at this time of the year, and Ron Zapolo has been getting some rounds in. I'm telling you, Jake, I'm looking at this, like, nice, dark maple. wooden it looks maple. maple. Yeah. Ron Zapolo is, like, a shade darker than that. He's, like, at my wallet color. Wow. It's like maple plus some darkness of dirt. Like, that man is getting reps on the course. And so, good for him and good for Chase for only being behind me and Ron Zapolo. Yeah, so very happy with the BSN Buffs result. Uh, Rick George talked at the thing. Uh, Ryan talked to the Rick George guy, a very important guy, Probably, if you're ranking guys in terms of importance in Colorado, Rick George, soon thereafter, John Elway, uh, whose birthday it is today. So happy birthday, John (laughs) Elway. But Rick George, like, if John Elway has a birthday every day, Rick George probably has a birthday, like, once every month. Like, one out of 12. You know, 12 times a year. Rick George, not as good of a golfer either. Oh, oh, really? John Elway would have run away with that. See, that's surprising to me because Rick uh, was involved with the PGA for a while. Yep. And John Elway's probably a better baseball player than him, too, and he was involved with the MLB. Well, <laughs> John Elway's pretty damn good at things, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he is. I think Rick George might be a better executive than John Elway. See, the, okay, here's my – we're going to talk about this golf tournament a little, a, little, a little bit longer. The guy who won it, David Ore, I believe you pronounce his name, was a, for, a former CU golfer who also just, like, had won the Wyoming Open the day before the tournament. And I just feel like – out of fairness, he shouldn't be playing in that tournament. The guy shot, like, 66. Like, he should be, like, helping people out. Yeah, like, he should be in Brian Howell's group, giving him a few pointers. <laughs> oh, by the way, I, I'm not hating on Brian Howell. The guy plays golf once a year, and it's in this right. tournament. There's a reason why Shapiro didn't even show up. Yeah, Jake didn't want to go because he was afraid he would do worse than that. <laughs> right, which is honestly worse. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, Brian went out there, he took his lumps on the course, and he beat his record like so much respect to brian because i couldn't even go out there and do that exactly um but uh rick george talked at the thing ryan you were there i listened to it rick with a lot of news uh what stood out to you as maybe i don't know three or four most important bits that you got from there there was a lot man there's so much um just quick hitters the scoreboard in the course event center it's up. You can see it on Twitter. They've posted some pictures. Looks phenomenal. Thing is beautiful. It has like home of the buffs across the bottom of it, and fanta- in that fantastic font. That's like the best font ever, in my opinion. Call it fantastic font, like whatever it's fantastic. called. Fantastic. Your- <laughs> it's really bold of them to use that font on everything. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> I give them twenty points for it. Yeah, I mean, at least they're with the new times. 
Anyways, <laughs> the scoreboard is going up, and that's awesome. Uh, Rick George mentioned the fact that they want to get new speakers in Folsom. Unfortunately, folks, not happening this season. Basically, what he said is that's a couple million dollars, and we don't have a couple million dollars right now. Um, but speaking of millions of dollars, they're over a hundred million. That's that's a couple weeks, maybe a month old now. They're at 101 million uh, on the drive to 105, which is now 115. Which exactly now it's the uh, dream of 115, and but I mean 100 million dollars. That's amazing that they've raised that much money since they came in here especially because there's nothing like theoretically you're not raising money for anything because the building's already been built right but i think there's other stuff they're still paying for that building uh here's the very most important thing of the entire press conference there is no steven montez anymore there's only steve montez ryan and i were talking about this and uh are the buffs trying to americanize (laughs) steven montez my column uh, because what what when he was being recruited it was what Stefan Montez? No, that's not true. But I was joking about that earlier. But just no, ra- you should have just ran with it. I'm and, like, telling it you, been a good tidbit. I'm telling you this: Steve Montez is a way more of a quarterback name than Steven Montez. Steve Montez sounds like he has glasses and is in your computer class. No, dude, Steve Montez. Sounds like a Heisman winner. I guess Steven Montez is kind of even more nerdy than Steve Montez. It should be Stevie Montez. Stevie Montez. <laughs> Stevie football. Stevie football. Yo, <laughs> we're breaking that out. We're doing Stevie football. Oh, that was my phone. We're uh, good. Okay. We're good. Uh, that's, the th- that's my biggest thing. But honestly, though, he said, here's the quote. I'm excited to see what this core of wide receivers does with Steve Montez. No mention of... Uh, Friend, uh, f- friend of this program, Sam Neuer, who folks around this table were pretty excited about at one point. Like, there's clearly no quarterback competition if the athletic director is just telling you who the quarterback is right here in the middle of July. But the journalists needed clicks. It's true. Um, also, what I will say about Steve Montez is that if his name's been shortened from Steven to Steve, I have also been put in this position before. My name is Jake, and Sometimes when I'm talking to someone really important, they don't care to listen to the fact that I have a second syllable in my name, and they just go Jay. They think my name is Jay. Mm. So I think Rick George might be big-timing Steven Montez by just calling him Steve. He doesn't want to hear the whole last syllable. I feel like Steve, like, you're an upperclassman now. You're Steve Montez. Steven is a thing of the past. It's like how Charlie Blackman, well, Charlie Blackman should just be Chuck Blackman because he's older, but it's not Charles Blackman. See, Charles Blackman, that sounds dope. That's like... That's actually really cool. That's like esteemed, um, like, like he writes, uh, what are those things Southern that you have history to, like, professor. what are those things that you have to uh, cite when you're writing uh, articles, or when you're writing essays? Bibliographies? No, when you're writing essays for school, you have to cite, like, uh, peer, like... Oh, peer-reviewed journals. Journals, yeah, like, Charles Blackman writes peer-reviewed journals. <laughs> Oh, man. This is going off the rails today. (laughs) Okay, nor uh, Rick George. I want to get to basketball a little bit later, so I won't say what he uh, talked about there. Here's something that I I think is going to be hard for you or I or the average fan to understand, but it was something that definitely caught the eye of the athletes and caught them off guard. Uh, They really hadn't been, I, I guess, notified of this, but 
they're taking away training table, and, and if you're familiar uh, with you know NCAA rules and and whatnot and the way that it works for a student athlete, and I, it'd be much better if we were able to get a student athlete's perspective on this. Hint, hint. Jake, Chase, and Sam get a student athlete's perspective on this. Our big bargaining chip to get people down to the Blake Street Tavern is free dinner, and we can't no, no, do no, no, that no, with no. the bus. I'm just saying for an article. Oh, but basically, they're taking away training table, and that's the the main meals. Uh, that the kids were getting, and now they're turning that back into their pockets because they had to take money out of their stipend to do training table. And in theory, you know, you can kind of play that off and say, look, we're going to give more money to the students. Jake, you and I both know this. That money is not going to healthy food uh, for these athletes to be fueling their bodies. You know, and I'm going to swear here, so cover your ears uh, if you feel so inclined. But Harry Carey had a great quote at one time. Life is amazing with broads, booze, and bullshit. (laughs) That's what that money's going to. A hundred percent. So I don't know about this decision, and I don't really know what went into that decision. Um, Rick kind of just... They made the buffs great again. Now they want to make the buffs fun again. I can get on board with that. That's the best way I've had it. I've heard it sold so far. That's what Rick should have said. Make the buffs fun again. <laughs> uh, it's confusing to me because I think any time you can control what the athletes are eating, you should. Um, and you know, I'll I'll give it to you this way: Shane Ray for the Broncos is going into his third season, and he just now going into this season, thanks to Von Miller, learned how important nutrition is. Von has a chef who basically knows exactly what his body needs 100% of the time and gives him exactly what he needs to fuel based on what he's doing, how he's working out, where he is in the season. And he's kind of passed that along to the younger teammates now. And Shane Ray said the other day, like, that's an underrated part of Vaughn's leadership. You know, a lot of people don't understand how important nutrition is. How do you think Vaughn Miller got to 250 and 7% body fat? And what I'm saying here is these guys are at an age where – they're not thinking like, okay, I need to make like a nice lean meal, protein heavy, and you can send a nutrition in there to talk a nutritionist in there to talk to him as much as you want. When it comes down to it, I know how I was when I was 18, 19, 20 years old. I didn't do anything until I got hungry, and when I got hungry, I went and got some food somewhere. Right. And and that's how it is for me who's still in college. I know a lot about nutrition and I'm a pretty smart guy, I think, and I try to stay healthy, but first time I get hungry, I'm going to South Mouth. Or I'm going to other places for wings or Cosmos. Taco or Bell. Taco Bell. That's <laughs> where I'm actually going is Taco Bell. And I know a lot of football players go there too. And I want to take this a step further than what you're saying. Anytime you can control the athletes, period, from a school's perspective. Take it. You probably should. Um, as a student and as someone who's a big backer of student athletes and who thinks they deserve to be paid, I think it's BS that they can control athletes to that extent. But if I'm the school and I have the leeway to control athletes in any aspect of life, like if I can start fall camp a week earlier and get three days off in the middle, but they have to be in Boulder for those three days, I'm taking that, man. Yeah, exactly. And so it doesn't make sense to me why you would pass up any opportunity to control what they're eating, control what they're doing, control where they are at certain hours of the day. These are kids. You want to have them under your wing as much as you want uh, because – they aren't necessarily equipped to make the best decisions yet. Like, I think anyone listening to this podcast thinks of themselves at 18, 19, 20 years old, and it was like, yeah, I was not equipped to pre- prepare myself as a professional. Like, 
anything like that. And some of those dudes aren't even the brightest. Like I've, I've, te- I mean, I've texted or emailed with them, and it's like, when I was eighteen, I was not competent as a writer. Um, and some may say you're still not very competent, <laughs> and that's true. But like, you know, the grammar. Uh, like when I text some of these recruits or whatever, DM them, it's brutal. Um, and I can tell you, as someone that was in that place just a few years ago, that you are not equipped to make those decisions. And like I said, I think I'm a pretty smart guy, and I don't think every single person in the history of the University of Colorado has been a pretty smart guy. Yeah, no, and I think that's fair. Now, let's see. uh, We had some reaction in our Menchies. The Menchies. And uh, one comes in from Ed Caldwell, who is a former CU football player. And he said, I would have lost at least 50 pounds without training table. This is a guy that you need to bulk up. You want him on the line. He said, uh, offensive linemen and linebackers, they're hungry. Fuel the players. These guys, they have, like, training table in, in any time they eat. It's all controlled by Mac and the nutritionist. He says, hey, um, Jared Coe, we need him to bulk up 10 pounds. And so they give him a green plate which means he can eat anything and they they stack it up on there and they make him gain weight that's just not that easy to do when you don't have them right there in front of you um so that comes in like from they Ed- literally give them plates that tell them what they can eat and they're not allowed to eat the food that right if you if you're trying to lose weight you have a red plate that means you can only eat the, the you know the, the skinniest healthy. portions right yeah uh who else came in here uh it was george frazier came in i think George Frazier, he came in and said, sorry, scrolling through here. So this is, does this mean we get money put back in our stipend? That's what he was concerned about. And someone asked him if the players like that. He said, I personally love having more money in my pocket, but I can't speak for all of the players. And then the other one was Devin Ross, who came in and said, CU football players are going to be mad skinny now. That's like, coming from the skinniest guy on the team. Actually, it was football team going to be real skinny now with a face palm emoji. Clearly, they don't even like this. And this is theoretically for them. Right. You know, like, I've heard of one player. Actually, I remember uh, Cheeto talking a little bit about, like, cooking Nigerian food and stuff like that. And the only other athlete I remember ever talking about, like, being a good cook was Spencer Dinwiddie. And he was uh, an I-Fi major who, like, wanted – who was so interested in nutrition and fueling his body. Like, he was all in on all that stuff. None of these other guys, like, care. They don't care at all. Like – and, and it's not that they don't even care at all. It's like they don't have the time to go home and, like, make food that's not mac and cheese. Like, they're, they're playing football a big portion of the day and also in class. And let me tell you, it's not the class that, that really takes away from their day. It's the fact that they have to be in, like, uh, what's it called? They have to do tutoring for certain hours of the day. Like, and that's what really takes more time than the class. Like, class is doable. The tutoring, in my opinion, is over the top. Yep. And to expand a little bit on this, and again, it's, it's hard for us to really understand without being an athlete and knowing it, but uh, Rick said they're going to extend the hours for morning snack and afternoon snack. And I wonder if they can, like, make it so it's a regular meal, though. Like, can they make the snack, like, just what they were serving before? I don't know. I th- obviously, there's some stupid NCAA rule about, like... It has to be less than 853 calories. Yeah, something stupid like that, but, I mean... They do have, like, smoothie machines in there and, and stuff like that where the players can go in. I just don't know what they're going to be feeding them at those times. Um, so, you know, maybe a week uh, into this 
new thing. Like all the players are like, oh my god, this is amazing. We get more food and it's better and like, who knows? But right now, it sounds like the players are a little bit concerned about making sure they're they're getting the right food. The other interesting piece, I think, from that, or one of the other ones, was that the athletic department is in the black for the third straight year. Uh, Rick George has done a phenomenal job uh, getting the buffs back onto the right side of the paper there. Uh, any other takeaways that stick out to you now? I know we have some articles coming on it, but... Uh, he talked about how the multi-year contracts are a game changer for them in oh, many ways. And I love that he talked about how important it was for the for the university because now the university can go out and hire some really good professors from other schools because they can actually offer them multi-year deals. Exactly. Uh, fantastic. Um, talked about upgrading Balch Fieldhouse. Again, that's one of those things that Rick's been talking about for a while, and he, he's just basically like, look, we don't have the money to do it right now. Um, I was talking to Copeland uh during TBT practice and Cope's like yo I remember when we had to make our own court and in Balch and practice in Balch I'm like yo this was 10 years ago Balch was definitely still falling apart 10 years ago yeah like NBA or Chris Copeland was playing in this gym that was like falling in on him that's where they used to play yeah uh what else oh um talked about naming rights and speaking of money naming rights for the championship he said the champion center the football stadium and even Coors Event Center, and if I remember correctly, I want to say the Coors Event Center was a lifetime deal. I believe so, too. So I don't know what the deal is with that. You could probably name the court something else, although it's Soxwell Seth Court. You could probably come up with something. Maybe you can call it the facility because it's the Coors Event Center, Coors, uh, Event Center, right? So maybe you can call that whole facility with the practice place, like the whatever facility, you know, yeah. the Coca-Cola facility. Or you call it the... Champion Socks Walseth Court. Or another Socks brand. <laughs> Stance Socks Walseth Court. There you go. <laughs> we'll see if Stance is in on that. Uh, yeah, Folsom Field, not going to change its name, though, but they will probably change the name of the stadium that surrounds the field itself. So it'll be like Sports Authority Field at – or no, it'll be Folsom Field at whatever arena uh, yeah, or, or like whatever stadium. Chipotle Stadium. Legal um, Pete Stadium. A great quote here for you men uh, to show your significant others from Rick George. There's no better place to get married than Folsom Field. I think that is a quote that you just wanted uh, a certain person in your life to hear. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, yeah, I think hopefully that person is listening. <laughs> I don't think she'd be against it. Come to Spring Valley Golf Club and play two courses in one, offering nine holes link style and nine holes traditional tree-lined. You're going to love the newly renovated greenside bunkers. Did that golf course have greenside bunkers? Of course. Did they have a European twist, though? I don't think so. Stacked bunker walls, baby! Come and try the fast and true greens that this 18-hole championship course delivers. Or get lessons from our PGA professional golf pros. And then eat our award-winning restaurant. Spring Valley Golf Club is in Elizabeth, just a few miles from Parker and less than 45 minutes from downtown Denver. Just off the beaten path, but closer than you think. Book your tee time today at springvalleygolf.com. Well, we've got some more stuff to talk about on this list. Uh, and Ryan felt good, I bet, to go to a CU basketball practice for the first time in probably 18 months for you or something like that. I didn't make it to one. During yeah, not anymore. last year. And there was no reason for you to make it to one last year between the football team and, well, the basketball team. But you saw the basketball team practice, and you also saw a separate practice where the TBT team practiced. And uh, 
you, as well as when I saw the basketball team practice, very impressed by McKinley Wright. Whew. McKinley Wright is a, <laughs> the <laughs> truth. <laughs> you hear that? That's the hype train, baby. There it <laughs> is. <laughs> Leaving the station. I'll just have you remember here on the podcast, and Jake, you can probably uh, answer this. Who is the last person that was heavily hyped up by me on this here podcast? Well, he recently lost an N in his name. Steve Montas. Oh, nope. After that. After Steve Mont. Well, Cepho. No, after that, we're talking about basketball players. Um. Well, you were in. You were kind of in on Bryce Peters, but not too much. I'll give you a hint. He's now in the NBA. Oh, Derek he was White. A first round Derek draft White. pick. That was so obvious, though, because like you were so in on that. Like that was the original. Actually, I, Montez might have been the original hype train. Yeah. Derek White was one of the original hype trains, and let me tell you. I am not as high on McKinley Wright, but I'm close. Uh, like Derek White, I was 100% sure it was going to be a first-team All-Black 12 player. And he was also three years older. Right, and, and exactly. That's what, that's what I was going to get around to is we're talking about a freshman, and the kid is the real deal. Um, you know, I, I, there, I talked to a source in the program who basically said this guy is one of the best we've had. And as a freshman, you know, obviously development happens. And even Andre Robertson wasn't anything crazy amazing as a freshman. Uh, but this kid is the truth. Uh, he has the tightest handle I've seen from a CU point guard. And I don't remember when, uh, you know, and, and obviously these are small sample size. But you can usually pick sort of these sort of things up like a handle. And I'll tell you this. He made a lot of plays, but. One particular play. Well, and that we heard about uh, that he made. Can we? Can, I don't think we can share. I wasn't going to give that the details of that. Okay. <clears throat> I'll, I'll just tell I'll, you this. I'll save it for something else. No, I'll just tell you this. McKinley Wright did. Anyone that's listening to this probably remembers the tip dunk that Shannon Sharp had in the NIT. He did that in traffic over somebody and shut down the entire gym. So that's the type of athlete we're talking about here. This is way above the rim, on a tip, cocked back, and thrown down. Uh, unreal. It was honest. against a pretty good player. It wasn't against, like, one of the walk-on CU players. Yeah, it was against a legit person. Uh, very good. Here's my other takes. Every single one of those freshmen that that was that I saw, McKinley Wright, Evan Batty, uh, Tyler Bay, and Deshaun Schwartz, every single one of those dudes is already like a grown ass man. Like these aren't your skinny, scrawny, baby faced freshmen. None of them look like Dallas Walton from last year. Is what Ryan None, like say. they yeah. don't look like kids. I'm telling you, McKinley Wright looks like a, like a man. Evan Batty like is a man. He, his voice is all deep and stuff. Tyler Bay looks like Andre Robertson did his junior year. And Deshaun Schwartz, like, he's probably the, the thinnest of them, but he doesn't look like – like, he's not like – you know, he has definition in his arms. He's good to go. These guys are ready to play. Like, if Pac-12 play started tomorrow, these guys would be getting minutes. Uh, and I think that's something really, really exciting about this team – and Rick George said it. He says, you know, I've talked to Tad about this team. He's really excited about them. Um, for all the, the kind of 
momentum that was sucked out of this program uh, in the middle of conference play last year, I think these kids are going to bring it right back. You want to get to the Coors Event Center the second this season starts to watch these guys because as a whole, top to bottom, I honestly think this has a chance to be Tad's best class. Uh, and that's pretty crazy to think about because he's had some good ones. Now, I guess, you know, if you put together the, you know, Josh Scott and Wesley Gordon and, and that class, those guys put a lot out there. But these guys, they they have a a pride to them. Like, they're ready to go. They want to play. I'll tell you this. Evan Batty was, in my eyes, art, he's already the best leader on that roster. This dude was slapping the floor on on the sidelines. He's pumping his dudes up. A guy went down on the other team, and as the play went back the other way, he ran out there and helped him up and pushed him down the court and was like, get back on defense, let's go. Like, this kid is you, – you haven't even seen him yet. He's already your favorite player. I'm telling you this right now, every single person that's listening, Evan Batty is your favorite player. Oh, Evan Batty is awesome. And what I'll say is I had people – because I, I got to go to TBT practice, but it was closed because they were playing the current guys. So I talked to them right after their first practice against the current guys, and I had people pulling me aside before I even started interviewing them. These are guys that played in the NBA or have played professionally for a while and going, yo, Shap, these freshmen, these freshmen. I'm saying Evan Batty. You know, Evan Batty looks amazing. McKinley, oh my God, McKinley. And these are what guys I'm just like, hey, can I ask you? And I'm like, yo, 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 no. Let me tell you about these freshmen. I'm like, I've seen them. They're like, no, but like, I've seen them. And I'm like, oh, so this is for real. I'm like, this isn't just like journalist eyes. This is like basketball players going, these guys can play. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you this, one of the current players said that he thought McKinley Wright might already be their best player. Woo. Like, that's hype train straight, like, no stops. That thing is going. That's a, that's a player, like, that's crazy. Um, so, I mean, that, there's that. Evan, like, McKinley Wright, maybe the best player. Evan Batty, already the best leader. Tyler Bay, already the most talented rebounder or most gifted rebounder. And, and George King's a pretty gifted rebounder. I honestly think Bay is a more gifted rebounder and – Definitely a more talented defender. And then you've got all the potential in the world in Deshaun Schwartz. Right. I mean, Deshaun Schwartz, some people thought he was going to be the best player in this class, and he's the only dude that I haven't completely pumped up. And I honestly think he just had an off day when I was watching him. All of these guys can go. Um, you see, like, I hate to put this on some guy, but you really do. I, I mentioned him a little earlier. You see a lot of, uh, of Andre Robertson and Tyler Bay. Yep, and that's not just you saying that. I had one of the TBT guys say that to me. So, uh, a lot. He played I mean, with Andre. He, and, and probably already more gifted offensively than Andre was at the end of his or career. Or is now, according um, to the NBA people. Probably <laughs> is now. So, man, I don't want to over, like, make you think they're going to the Final Four or anything next year. All we're saying is season tickets are cheap and this team's going to be fun to watch. You want to go. That's that's what I'm saying is you want to see this team. You want to watch these guys because I honestly believe three, two maybe, three, four years down this road, you want to be saying, I watched that guy. And you want to be saying what, what you know, you're saying about Derek White. And also, watch Derek White in Summer League because we never got to see enough Derek White basketball. Never. He had a really cool uh, fadeaway jumper the other day. But uh, 
we also got to talk about the TBT team for a bit. Obviously, not much has happened there, but they play Friday, uh, Saturday at 315. Check out, check that out. Watch it. Stay tuned for my article on them. Hopefully, that's up by Friday. We're working on. We're, we're, I'm working my ass off on that. So it's been, it's 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 a lot because a lot of guys had a lot of great things to say about that basketball program, and you could see it when you went to practice. When I went to practice, how awesome they felt to just be back in that gym in those facilities. Uh, it was like, I mean. It's cool to watch guys play basketball for a job or for a living or for their school. It's another thing to watch them play basketball for the pure joy of it, although they can win $2 million. It was obvious that they were there for themselves and their friends. Absolutely. Uh, it's about a lot more than $2 million because, look, of course you want to win these $2 million, but anyone knows when you're entering a tournament this big, like you could so easily have nothing. And they found that out the first year they played in it. They got they got stomped in the first round. So and they found that out in an even harder way last year. Yeah, I found that out in a bad way too because I somehow almost won four thousand uh, dollars. And I've gotten a lot of heat for not hedging that bet. I think about that a lot. <laughs> you know, I, I think this year's team might make you proud for not hedging that bet. Who knows? I mean, this team is so talented. And they were so talented last year, and they only got more talented. D- Dwight Thorne, their coach, uh, he's on Rodney Billups' staff at DU, says to me, I'm like, like, the only concern I have for you guys is there aren't enough balls to go around for you guys. He's like, that ain't, he's like, that ain't ever been a problem in the history of basketball. I'm like, I mean, I'm like, I guess that's true because none of y'all have egos. Like, none of, none of, none of, no one's going to be out here demanding the basketball, so I guess that's true. Josh Scott should be. Because I think Josh Scott – did you get to see Josh practice? Because I know he left. I did I saw, not. I saw Josh practice. I talked to Josh, and, and basically he said, I'm going to Portland tomorrow. I don't want to mess with anything right now, which was smart on his part. Um, he was mad at you because you said he looked slim. I, it was a compliment. He looked great. He looked athletic or Literally, fit. Literally, his whole life, Josh got, has never wanted to slim down. But, like, I meant it like you're looking slim. You're looking athletic. You know, I Maybe didn't mean like felt was the word you were looking for probably he was like bro you have no idea how hard i've worked to get up to 248 <laughs> i was shot so destroys it with one tweet. <laughs> yeah uh so i what i was gonna say i think uh that ball should be going and we i mean how many times did we say this when he was wearing black and gold that ball should be touching josh scott's hands on every possession because i think this is if there's one thing this tournament lacks it's big men there's guards. I mean, there's always going to be scores. There's scores across this nation, everywhere. They're in, you know, they're in parks. They're everywhere. Guys can put the ball in the bucket with jump shots. The talented, skilled big man is not, uh, you know, they aren't just laying around. And usually, talented, skilled big men are in the NBA. Now, obviously, Josh is is a tier below those guys because he's playing in Europe. But he, I honestly think, is going to be if they were ranking, you know. The big man in this tournament, and I, I have to admit I haven't, you know, broken down the rosters. But I'd be confident in saying Josh is in the top ten. Uh, and maybe even higher, and, I, I again, I'd have to look at the rosters. But this ball should be going to Josh Scott um, because, I, I you know, there's no one uh, on the team right now that I think can guard him. And, that, you know, this is a team that played in the championship last year. So they're so good. And, like, I'm so excited for Saturday to watch them play. 
Yeah, I am too, and I'm really happy for Bo and Trent uh, that they uh, put this together, and it's all worked pretty smoothly, in my opinion, and, and we'll see what they do. Uh, but before we continue, I've got to get one more read in here, and that's for Jackson's Hole, which opened up in March of 1977 and quickly became the place for watching sports. Almost 40 years later, and Jackson's All-American Sports Grill is keeping that reputation alive. There's 65 and 70 inch TVs everywhere. The food, it's still amazing. And there's almost 30 beers on tap, including table taps. Those are the taps that you can control at your own booth. Come down to Jackson's All-American Sports Grill in Greenwood Village off Arapahoe and I-25. The original sports grill. How close is that to our new office? Where is it? Uh... Uh, I think there's one actually closer to our new office than that one. Word. We need a spot down there. We do. Other than that, like... Yeah, if you... you, (laughs) There's a dive bar in Lakewood. So our new office is in Lakewood on uh, Wadsworth. If you have a bar, if you're a bar owner, or you own an establishment, a food establishment, we're about that too, uh, or anything, just hit us up. We'll come over there. We love to meet new fr- friends and fans, and we'll uh, we'll sponsor you guys. Jake was alluding to a strip club. That's what he was. I was looking to. for the word strip club. <laughs> if you have a strip club, <laughs> hit us up. I still haven't been to a strip club, and I'm 22. That's probably got to change. Yeah, uh, but speaking of change, uh, I'm Jewish, and I don't have much change for the strip club. So you know, boobs. <laughs> uh, but honestly, good point. We're looking for spots. Like, we need... Like, that's an area of town we're both not that familiar with. Like, tonight, obviously, we just left there and came to Blake Street Tavern, and that's probably what we'll end up doing a lot. But you can you can, you can easy, easily, easily get to second in the rotation. Yeah, we need a second spot, and we'll do twice-a-week pods during the season if we want. I mean, probably. Yeah. So, we're in. Uh, we're in. Just let us know. Uh, should I do the... The fall camp practice thing, or should I do the t- your top 20 first? What do you want? Let's finish with the top 20. Okay. So, fall camp starts uh, in about two weeks. Starts uh, two weeks from Friday. And uh, I want to start with the little piece of news that I have. Kevin George will not be there for the first week of camp because he's finishing up school at his junior college. So... That impacts the buff some way. I don't really know which way because I think they're okay at cornerback. But he's already the second best George on campus anyway. Well, maybe third behind Rick George, George and George King. Yeah, Rick George King. How come any no one's done that? I don't know. But uh, the big news about fall camp, uh, and I've known about this since April, but it was just confirmed to me moments ago. But I've, I've known about this for a while. Uh, is that Jake is going to have to predict one win this season. <laughs> and you laugh now, but I don't think it's that funny. Uh, and the reason why I start there is because, as a journalist, how am I supposed to put any stock into a team that I won't see? And the reason why I pick one is because that's the same amount of practices that I will be getting to see over fall camp. And, yes, I am going to go full angry, like, like mad guy right now because I am angry because how am I supposed to tell you, the fans – or get you excited about this team, tell you the truth was where I was going, uh, about this team that I'm only going to see once. And I can't put my honest evaluation on that. Look, I had a hard enough time last year, and there was three open practices. I was way off. And you know what? I take full blame for that. I should have only predicted three wins, not four, because they only had three open practices. (laughs) But seriously, I I mean, 
I, I, I hate to rant, but in the same sense, this is something to actually rant about because I don't know how I am honestly supposed to give evaluations or write stories that are honest or trust the information that I'm gathering that is open to the media when I can't confirm it with my own eyes and I can't really be around the players enough to develop sources in which I can confirm it in other ways. So this is really hard on me. And I know, okay, poor Jake, boo-hoo, but I'm telling you this right now. I am, if you're listening to this, I am a link between you and the team. You hear about information about the team via me. So a lot of the information that you hear is either from me, Brian Hall, or Adam Munster-Tagger, or uh, the Denver Post, who they're hiring out there uh, to cover CU. So we're all at the same level. None of us are going to get to see the buffs at all besides one time until they play Colorado State. And that's really hard on you guys by association. And also, because it's only open once to the fans, if you're a huge buffs fan, hell yeah, I want to go see Phil Lindsay practice as he embarks on his potential maybe Heisman campaign or whatever you think Phil Lindsay's going to do. Hell yeah, I want to go Steven, see Steven Montez try to uh, take Cepho Lufau's position as the re- leader of this team and maybe even be better because of his arm strength. Oh yeah, I, I want to go watch uh, that new kicker from Australia. How legit actually is this guy? Oh my God, he's 31. That's kind of funny. I want to go watch all that if I'm a Buffs fan. You know how much hype I have after I find out that there's only one open practice? I have less than one hype. I have zero hypes. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, honestly, this is a is a, uh, an inconvenience for the for the journalists. It's lame for the fans, but I think honestly, it it hurts the the program more than anything because there's no hype. There's no hype that's going to be built around this team, and obviously, you know, people are going to be excited because they're coming off their best season in over a decade. But there's not going to be people sitting there and coming off a of practice and saying, oh, my God, Steven Montez looks like the future NFL draft pick that we think he could be. And as was proven by Tyler Ziskin, our friend, going to fall camp practices a few years ago, he wasn't even saying anything. He was just tweeting Steven Montez fire emojis, and those were blowing up, and people were like, oh, let's go. It's such a bummer. It really is a bummer because that's how you build hype. Like, I go, I go back to the Broncos again because that's – you know, where I'm at every day. This is a team that has 12, 12 open practices. That is enough for every fan to carve out a day, two, maybe even three days. There'll be fans that go to all 12 and get to know their team. You get to know storylines of camp. Like that's one of the most fun things is like, you know, I'm out here writing about, uh, Jordan Taylor making amazing catches. And, or you're and, writing about Paxton Trevor, and someone goes, oh, this really is close. I want to go see it with my own eyes to see who I think is right. the better player. There's such a, uh, a, a big miss there because I've realized coaches are the most paranoid people in the world, and that's what this comes down to. You know, like a coach is legitimately considered concerned that uh, someone at CSU is going to be paying Jake Shapiro to feed them information. Like, those are legit concerns that coaches have in their minds because coaches are crazy. The problem is it just hurts you. Meanwhile, someone could be paying me informa- for, for information at CSU right now, and it'd still be pretty damn good information. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. The problem, you know, and the issue is that that one practice that they do open up, it's going to be the most vanilla thing in the world because why are they going to show anything in that one day 
if they're going to open one up. When it's, and, and they don't have two-a-days this year, but last year when they do two-a-days in the open practices, they would just not do anything in the first practice that was open and then just do it all in the, two, in the second one. Exactly. So you're not going to see anything in that practice because why do something in the practice, the one practice that you show, when the whole point of not having open practices is to not show anything? So just be prepared. That practice is going to be boring. You might see some fun one-on-one stuff like when we saw um, – uh, who's the big guy, the new big guy? Oh, uh, uh, Javier Edwards. Javier Edwards, like running routes. You'll see some fun stuff. You'll get a laugh. You'll, you know, have some fun. You won't learn anything real about the team. And so this is, what you, this is your options. You're going ha- to hear from Neil Welk, who uh, is obviously going to have a bias and a slant. And, and he is literally paid by a university. Yeah, I mean, he's his job is to – say nice things about the team and tell good stories about the team and that sort of thing. But his job is not to, you know, uh, necessarily report uh, the, the the real news that's going on inside those practices. I mean, say, I, for instance, say. guys were getting injured last year, and I, I tweeted I, – I broke the Juwan Winfrey thing. I didn't find out about that till three days after it happened. Right, and, and that's the way they want it. Yeah. But it's going to get out eventually, and that's the thing. Like, certain things like that, I just never understand, like, why you're hiding it. Like, he's obviously not going to play. playing, so people are going to find out. Like, that's you think CSU's spending a whole day, the day that I'm going to break the news, on Jawan Winfrey? Right. The thing is, like, they, it's just a bummer. It really is just a bummer for everyone, and I really mean it when I think it hurts um, the hype surrounding the team. You don't think people are going to get hyped up about the buffs? If, if Jake's out there tweeting, oh, my God, Steven Montez looks like a beast, this offense is going to – go crazy i mean that has the potential to get picked up by like deadspin or whatever if i tweet steven montez just had a sick 82 yard touchdown pass to devin ross in the back corner over a guy who might win a trophy this year in you know whoever here's a perfect here's a perfect example rick george talked about uh the virality of cheeto getting announced at the nfl draft and how that was so great because every single time that that viral video ended him with saying quarterback university of colorado cheeto bayouzier like, you kill the ability for stuff like that to happen by only having your own people in there, and it hurt. It, it just hurts everyone, and there's going to be no true assessment of this team until we see them against CSU, and that's a scary thought. Honestly, there's going to be no true assessment of this team until we see them against Washington. It's possible, and it's it's just you were talking about it before. Fans, these diehard fans who spend every day just thinking about the buffs they wake up they go to all buffs uh they wake up they read bsnbuffs.com they wake up they go to adam site buff stampede those people only really get to see this team they love in person what'd you say 16 times a year 16 times so one open practice spring game 14 games this year because they had two postseason games so really it could be 12 12 it could be 12 and then plus the other two i mentioned so 14 times a year 14 to 16 times a year you get to see your favorite team play that's not acceptable to me. Sucks. I mean, if you're what Broncos, we'll compare it to the Broncos because that's just the NFL team here. You've got 16 in the regular season. You've got the four preseason games, so we're already up to 20. 20. You've got the 12 open practices, so that's 32. And then you have uh, there are other opportunities, I believe, to see them. So we'll just call it around 35 to 40. We'll say, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's pretty. I think you, you covered all the opportunities, but 32 teams. I mean, 32 times a year. 32, 32 days. 32 days. That's legitimate. I mean, obviously, if you're a Rockies fan, you get to see them near 200 times 
Yeah, with spring training. You can see them 200 times. And it's so funny because I go from covering the sport with the absolute most access far and away. And, Ryan, you've covered one day of baseball, and you already probably agree with that. It's awesome. Um, to the most lockdown thing possible in college football. Yeah, it sucks. It honestly does. And, and you know, you hope that maybe CU realizes that this isn't good for them. And it just makes the journalists more mad. You don't want to make journalists mad either. Yeah, it's I not mean, a good who call. Who were we talking about the other day? We were talking about a player. Oh, uh, Anthony Julmisi, and you know Brian Howell was telling me about how Anthony Julmisi. You know Brian, the first time he interviewed him, introduced himself. Hey, I'm Brian Howell. You know I work for the Boulder Daily Camera. I'll be uh, talking to you a lot. I'm sure over the course of your career. Now every single time Anthony Julmisi sees Brian Howell, whether he's walking off the field or he sees him at Safeway in Boulder, he says, "Hey Brian, how you doing?" And, like, that goes so long. We were talking about it. You know, Adam, Brian, and I, and Chase. We're like, you know, if, if all these athletes and coaches and athletic directors and GMs and all these people knew how far it could go towards helping their coverage, helping everything. Look, it's human nature to see things in a positive light uh, when, you've, when those people have, like, given you, given you reason uh, to think – good thoughts about them yeah and it makes it a whole lot easier to criticize uh colorado football who's coming off of a great season but there's a lot of questions going into this season when you aren't really happy no one's helping you form your own opinion so if jake shapiro gets a scoop from one of his sources during uh fall camp that says dude steven montez looks god awful and sam neuer's balling out or Steven, or just period, Steven Montez looks god-awful, Jake's a lot more likely to have to go on that when we sit down here and have this podcast or when he's writing a story about the team look going into 2017. Now, who knows? That, you know, that quarterback, maybe Steven Montez just had two bad days in a row when that specific source was watching, and, and he's looking great. The issue is when, when you can't see it with your own eyes, you can't give an honest opinion on it, and especially when you're – you're not throwing anyone any bones. There's no reason to throw them back. And I, I like what you said there. There's no reason for us to do them any favors, and there's no reason for them to do us any favors at this point. And that's not an, a, a relationship you want with people that are as close to your program as the few people that cover CU are. Uh, I mean, Brian, Adam know a ton about that program. I know a ton about that program. Stuff that is not great. Stuff that they don't want out there stuff that is great stuff that they don't want out there too and to all of a sudden decide that you don't want to trust these people or that you don't want to establish relationships is a bad idea and i'll use this example about a good one when i went to interview all the tbt guys i go yeah you know will whalen helped me out a lot will whalen's a guy that was my editor and he's really helped me out a lot we're really good friends you know me and his girlfriend are friends i i have a great relationship with will fiance Oh, sorry. Yeah, fiance. Sorry, Nina. Um, but when they said, oh, you're Will's guy. I love Will. Like, even in some of the quotes I got, they were talking about Will. And that is so important because when you have that relationship with the people that are around you, not only are you more prone to write positive things, you're more prone to keep those relationships. And I don't think a lot of guys understand that once they're done with these, these jobs, 
relationships like ha having good relationships with the media is a really good idea. You look at a guy in DJ Williams on the Broncos who's now trying to get into the media who had horrible relationships with the media. It's made it probably a lot harder for him to get back into the media. There's a reason he's, you know, in Miami, well, and that's, that's his home, but I think you'd have a lot harder time getting into media here in Denver. And there are a lot of guys that have those aspirations after they retire or whatever. And, you know, or how about this? Derek White and his family have been nothing but great to us for the most part. They've been really nice to us. Not only do we not want to say bad things about Derek, not that there have been bad things to say about Derek, but if guys in, in NBA scouts, NBA assistant GMs have asked me, how's Derek as a person? Oh, 100%. And I say, great. I had the other day... Uh, a former GM in Major League Baseball asked me their opinion on one of the Rockies players as a person, what I knew about him, everything, and I gave him the honest to answer truth, stuff that isn't even published, and it was all nothing but positive because that guy was great with me. And, and that happens all the time. Ryan, I mean, Ryan used to show me when I was young, guys would slide into his DMs like NFL scouts and be like, what do you think about this guy? Yeah, I mean, NFL scouts, I emailed back and forth with uh, – NBA scouts about Andre Robertson. There's a lot that goes into this, and we're getting a little bit away from the main point here because obviously open practices don't affect our view on the players. But the idea is that when you scratch the media's back, they'll usually scratch yours right back for you. And that's just – that's like PR 101. And, you know, you look at the, the top organizations in sports – they're not the organizations hiding things from the media. I remember, I want to say it was Brown's camp, uh, or Bill's camp last year, where they, they set all these guidelines on the media. Um, you're not allowed to report interceptions. You're not allowed to report uh, missed tackles. You're not allowed to report anything. Basically said, like, anything that anyone does bad, you're not allowed to tweet about. Great organizations are not doing stuff like that. Great organizations that don't have anything to hide aren't trying to hide anything and they have other things to worry about great organizations put a guy out when there's when there's controversy and i'm sorry i'll go back to the broncos again keep to shot himself last year his first day back at broncos do you think they hit him from the media no they took him and told him you got to go face the music you're the one that had a run in with the cops so the first day you know and of course they'll coach him and he was coached to say you know I'm a, there's a legal investigation going on i can't really speak on any specifics of that but you the, the great organizations aren't hiding anything, and so they're very open. You know, the Broncos understand there's a quarterback competition going on, and and they have a rookie who's trying to – or a, a second-year guy who's a first-round pick who's trying to, you know, um, create himself as a player. They could easily say, hey, we want to build up Paxton Lynch. We want to hype him up, and we're going to hide him uh, behind – closed doors and say Paxton looks amazing we're gonna have our writers say Paxton looks amazing and you know and we're gonna control the meshes on that but no they're gonna put those guys out there they're professionals and I realize it's different in college but there's nothing they're not gonna hide anything from the media because they have nothing to hide and I want to take it one one point that is very specific and this will be my last but when Mike McIntyre went through what he just went through a lot of the people in the media said he's a good guy. And I said, I don't know if he's a good guy because I don't know him. But a lot of people said he's a good guy. And most of those people had only ever talked to Mike McIntyre in front of a camera for five minutes. Or they had been in certain situations where they've seen him interacting with players or whatever. How many times as a media member are you going to be able to see Mike McIntyre interacting with players over the course of the year now? 
probably just those 14. Yeah. And that's probably it. How many times are you going to be able to see Mike McIntyre interacting with people in front of a camera where he knows exactly what he should be doing? A lot. A lot. And that doesn't lend itself good to Mike McIntyre and people wanting to say good things about him. And it doesn't lend, it doesn't lend a great scope uh, either because when Mac went through all that, the first day when he was interviewed by the press – what can you say about this? Whatever. He's like, I can't say anything. And that's fine. And I went up to him after, like after it all cleared out. And because he was still watching his players for a minute, I just said, hey, Matt, can I ask you a question? And he said, nope, and walked the other way and ran. It's like, dude, I was going to ask you a question about Javier Edwards, but I couldn't ask it because Rod Mackey and the guys that never show up here from the TV stations are asking all these, you know, sexual assault or whatever questions and I just want to ask about violence. Ha- domestic violence sorry I just want to ask about Javier Edwards because everyone's talking about him yeah and and, and 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 that is the kind of stuff that I mean I've remembered that for now four months that's not good and and I mean all I'm trying to say is you putting yourself you hiding yourself you hiding your team it's only going to lead to suspicion that bad things are going on or exactly. that or that bad things are whether it's on or off the field. And you don't want that. If it's all out in front, people might go, all right, well, I mean, I saw Nelson Spruce practice. He had a bad day, but still Nelson Spruce. I'm sure he's fine. Yeah, it's... And I've seen that. All, like you said, all it does is lead to suspicion that something is being hidden. And I go back to, you know, John Embry, his first season as coach, I think every practice was open. Every single practice was open to media. It was... <laughs> By far the most entertaining summer of my life, watching John Emery and Eric Bieniemy just absolutely berate these kids, which actually didn't turn out to be very much of a positive for them. But like, I watched Eric Bieniemy. It didn't get a B rate; it got an F rate. <laughs> I watched Eric Bieniemy get go on top of one of the video towers because they were trying to uh, uh, emulate him being up in the booth where he wasn't going to be able to communicate directly with the players. Well, he completely just did not care. So he's just standing on top of this thing, which he's terrified of heights. So he's grabbing onto this thing, completely white-knuckling it, and just screaming like profanities. There's kids sitting there watching this practice. Eric Bieniemy is up there just ruining kids. Like, what the F? Are you effing kidding me? That is the weakest shit I've ever seen. Like, just going off. And I was like, this is probably the best thing I'll ever see at a practice. So... What I was going at there before I got started thinking about that amazing story, what I was getting at there was the next year, yeah, the next year, they closed every single practice. And that team was god-awful. And the reason it, it turned out they were closing practices was because they were working on a no-huddle offense, which they went away from less than half a game, half of one game into the season. So... They had nothing good going on. Jordan Webb was the starting quarterback. It was bad, and they had a reason to hide. Honestly, I don't think Mike McIntyre's team has a reason to hide this year, but who's to say? If you're scared, get a dog. If you're scared, get a dog. But uh, we got one more thing to talk about with the football team, and that's the CU Buffs Top 20, which has not drawn as much controversy uh, since the last time we talked to you uh, because – I think the top of our list was pretty easy to do as well as 
I mean, I really think once it started getting released, uh, the rest of the list after there was a little controversy at 11-12, uh, that, all right, it was like, all right, these guys are legit too. Like, I, don't th- I, I, f- I think they forgot how legit some of their teammates were. Mate, well, I mean, it's not like Bryce Bobo was going to quote tweet the story saying, like, Rick Gamboa was higher than him and be like, what? Like, Gamboa trash. Like, that wasn't going to happen. I like how Gamboa tweeted, like, these rankings are crazy, fam, or something like that. And then he found out he was nine and he retweeted, like, it's a blessing or something. Wait, really? He said that? No, he he tweeted, like, smiley face or something. I don't know. He tweeted He tweeted the the rankings are crazy or something like that? He tweeted the rankings are crazy. And then he found out he was rated higher than he thought the rankings were and that he was happy. Well, I mean, like, once he wasn't there at 12 when the contrary started, like, he he was off the list? Probably, because I think. Uh, other people had Rick Gamboa way lower on their lists. Yeah, I mean, I actually. All right, should we get into that? Yeah. So Ryan's got his top twenty list. I, should should Do you I want to count down? This isn't the greatest podcasting, but it at least gives people a frame of references. Yeah. So this is the BSN Buffs top twenty. This is averaged between Sam, Chase, and I. So this isn't mine. This isn't Sam's. This isn't Chase. This is just Ryan Average. was on vac- Ryan was on vacation. Allie was also on vacation. I couldn't text either of them. So these were the averages of the three we had. So number 20, we had George Frazier. What did you have? Uh, oh, we're going to go back and forth? Yeah. Okay. Number 20, I had Jay McIntyre, who was in your honorable mention. Um, yeah, he was the 21st guy. And I'll just say this. Uh, George Frazier did not make my list. Right. So if you're waiting for George Frazier, he's not on Ryan's list. Uh, Should we do like five at a time? No, I think going back and forth, okay. here, but we can talk a little bit. I mean, right. George Frazier is a mountain of a man. He is pretty gifted athletically. You should say what you texted me when you found out he was 20. I don't remember what it was. I do. But I told sh- it to George. <laughs> I don't know. I don't <laughs> you even might know. have a very big man mad at you. I don't even <laughs> want to know what it was because I was probably confused. All I'll say is this. Big man, athletic not a football player just not good at football fourth best george on the buffs yes <laughs> i honestly haven't seen Sh- should Kevin we george, should we do so. george rankings <laughs> yes okay we will do george rankings at some point 19 drew lewis we matched up there i think that might be the only place 18 nj follow i had jared Koo, Co. who's 17 for us does anyone know how to pronounce that jared Co. i'm pretty sure some people say Koo. Like coup d'etat. Yeah. It's co. Okay, that's what I've always thought, but I got confused because someone in the program said coup. I think it was actually Mike McIntyre. You got co-fused. It was a coup. It was a coup. So 18, NJ Fowler, you had Gerald Co. 17, we had Gerald Co. Who did you have? Anthony Julemis. Who is 15 on our list. So, And we're pretty high on Julemis. Sam really likes Anthony Julemis. I think he's going to end up being the second corner uh, across from Isaiah Oliver. And that's going to be interesting because I think he's got a lot to learn over there. But uh, He certainly has the potential. Talented athlete. Yeah. Extremely talented athlete. And um, I'll go back to, you know, positive positive press. I, I've heard people say that they think he's going to be a captain uh, one day. And that alone propped him up on my list because, you know, when I don't know these guys, you just don't necessarily know. But when you hear that a guy is going to be a captain, that means that he's got the right mindset. And so I believe that he's going to make that big year one to year two jump. 16, we have Jawan Winfrey. 
We have a big discrepancy on where Winfrey. Well, uh, it is a hard time to put Winfrey really up on the list because we haven't seen him play Division One football. He's coming off an ACL injury, and there are four other wide receivers that are really that are either on the list or one marker off this list for us. And for you, there's there's five wide receivers on the list, and there's only four spots. They're not moving Phil Lindsay off the field. Yeah, no, they're not. But I think all of these guys are going to get uh, their time. So, anyways, I'll just say right now that. Uh, he's higher on my list. Uh, at 16, I have NJ Follow. Right, we we already had him. A little bit lower. Uh, we like NJ Follow a lot, uh, and I think NJ Follow. Solid player. Yeah, solid player, and he's going to help make up for that linebacker spot, which is going to be a big question mark for the Buffs. That's one of the biggest question marks going to fall camp. Storylines that we won't be able to tell you about. 15, Anthony Julamisi. <laughs> 15, I had Leo Jackson. Leo Jackson's 14 for us. Okay, and number 14 for me is Nick Fisher. Now, Who's 13 for us. I want to talk a little bit about Nick Fisher uh, because I feel like when a team is good, and this goes back to kind of the thing we were saying, when you have positive thoughts about something, you're just more more positive thoughts come in about that. And so I think there's a lot of blind optimism about guys. And I think Nick Fisher is one of those guys. And Nick Fisher could be great, but he – is being propped up in a lot of people's mind based on one singular play. One, really one half of one, one half, football game. Right. But really that, that third down stop where he made a fantastic play, Washington yeah, State. It was Yeah, Washington State. It might have been a fourth down stop, though. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Huge fourth down stop. Fantastic play. I mean, you're talking about best plays of the season. Obviously, Bobo's catch, Witherspoon's interception. You can make the case that that's three. Right. What I want to say, though, is I'm a big believer of you are as great as those around you. And I think, you know, one of the examples you can use is on the Broncos defense. Really a lot of Broncos today. You can kind of plug guys in who are average. A Todd Davis. Couldn't you just do like Rockies? Like they get Ian Desmond and look how better Nolan Arenado is. No, that's not how it works. This is we're talking about a team sport here where all of these guys are 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 working together. It is a team sport. In baseball you don't like your third baseman isn't affected by your right fielder. Well, it is in the lineup and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but, but okay, it also let me, yeah. let me go on. Here. It also is if you're You can put baseman. a guy like Todd Davis who isn't necessarily a spectacular football player by any means into a defense full of really 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 great football players and that guy looks good. Um Looks solid, looks passable, looks like a, an NFL football player, which he is. Now, you put Nick Fisher in a secondary with a bunch of dudes who are in the NFL right now, he's going to look pretty solid because he doesn't really have to worry about what's going on over there because he, know that che- he knows that Cheeto's got his stuff held down. He knows that uh, Tedrick's going to be all right, and, and if he screws up, Tedrick's right behind him. He knows that. So on and so forth. You know, Akello's over there. And obviously he wasn't playing at the same time as all these guys, but you're getting my point. When you put a guy in with a bunch of really other great guys, he, he has a lot easier time just focusing on what he has to do. And so I think that's a guy who looked really good last year, but he was covered. You know, he was okay. He, he didn't necessarily have to worry about everything going on around that him. That one game he was not covered, though. Tedrick Thompson was not there. Right. Uh, obviously, and then uh, – Afalabi Laguda was ejected. I mean, he still had the corners. He did a but fantastic job, and I just think there's a lot of 
I don't want to call it blind optimism, but um, shaded optimism. Like, it's not clear. You don't necessarily know that Nick Fisher is going to be as good as you think, and he might be. But I just think people are getting a little bit too high on him too fast. And to be fair, the only reason why he's above Anthony Julemisi is because we've seen more of Nick Fisher at that position than Anthony Julemisi. Because mm-hmm. Anthony is a guy with all the talent in the world, like we said, but he's been all over the field. He hasn't just been a corner at this point. Uh, I want to make one more point about Nick Fisher. The only negative part I can say about Nick, I really like Nick as a person. I've talked to him, whatever. The one thing I can say negative about Nick is his Twitter has gotten super in his feelings. Like, he's really in his feelings on Twitter. And uh, to the point where one of my girlfriends came to me, like, girl, that's a friend, came to me and was like, I need to, like, make Nick Fisher some cookies or something because I feel so bad for him. He's fishing for compliments. Yes, he is. Uh, so, 14, I, we had Leo he's Jackson. got a Nick in his armor. You had, Nick Fish, you had Nick Fisher 13. We had Nick Fisher. Who did you have? At 13, I had Afalaba Laguda, and that's another big discrepancy for us. You had him... All the way up at eight. I honestly think I was influenced. Uh, no, 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 The list had him up. Okay, where at, did you have him? I had him at 19 or 18. Okay, so I think, like. He was below the cornerbacks we've already talked about. Right. For me. Honestly, for me, like, this hype around him is so high that I, I feel like at 13, I'm like, I fell even victim to it. Um, again, solidly talented player, but he's he's a tweener. He's not necessarily a fit for any position. He's not a strong safety. He's not a free safety, and he's not a linebacker. He's just something in between there, and he's a he's a solid football player. He's a big hitter. Uh, I think he has a solid football IQ, but I think people are just like, well, you know, he's older. He's um, he's going to be more mature. He's going. He's great. He, good for him. Uh, he's going to be a top five player on this team this year. He's going to be. He's a captain. You know, he's this and that. And I just think people are getting carried away once again. We kind of like when you see a player enough snaps on the field, you kind of start to know where the, who they are. Now, Brian Howell used uh, when I talked to him about this, he used the uh, example of Akella Witherspoon last year going into the season. We kind of thought Akella Witherspoon, talented kid, just doesn't have it. Well, he found it, and he became a really, really good football player last year, and he's playing in the NFL now. So there are cases of it, but I feel like a lot of times one case gets everyone to thinking oh every year guys just get better that's not necessarily true like there are guys who stay the same from the second they get on campus to the second they leave look at Yuri Wright Yuri Wright might have gone backwards and that's possible he went the wrong direction yeah Yuri wrong uh so I don't want to get carried away. I think Afalabi Laguda is going to make some big plays because he's going to be on the field a lot. I think he was so terrible in coverage the last few years that it's hard to consider him the star of this secondary. Uh, I, people are saying that above Isaiah Oliver for some reason. I've seen people say that. But Afelabe Laguda, to me, is a better suited to replace Addison Gillum at linebacker than he is Dedrick Thompson in the secondary. I would actually be – if they had someone out there that they could put in the safety position – I would actually be a fan of seeing him go up there because I think he I'd could rather play up Ryan Moeller play safety and in, in, in Afalabe Laguda play linebacker. The exact opposite of what happened last year, and I said that when it happened last year. And we're not football coaches, so maybe there's a reason that that's not happening. Uh, maybe you know he doesn't see the the field as well from up there, or whatever. Right? Maybe Ryan doesn't have great uh, command of the defense, or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, I just don't want people to get out of hand on players that you saw with your own eyes aren't necessarily studs. Like, let's be let's be real. Afalaba Laguda has never showed you something that says, like, that guy is a stud. 
and it and guys don't just magically become studs every single day like it it happens but don't don't count on guys just becoming studs number 12 we had bryce bobo i have rick gamboa uh, Rick Gamboa a little bit higher on our list. Number 11, we had Devin Ross. Rick Gamboa, solid dude, like solid player. Um, he's going to do his job, but to me, he's just he's not going to do his job spectacularly. I think he makes a little jump this year, and Chase brought up the Oregon game. Watch, watch some plays from that game. Played really well in that game. Played I mean, really, really, well. really well in that yeah. game. He's capable of playing really, really well, but most of what I've seen is And he was named to a captain, so we assume that he is – made that jump to being full-time that good. But just listen to the players. For me, like when I look at this, uh, the the next 11 players above Rick Gambo on my list, I don't think you necessarily say, like, Rick Gambo is better than that guy. So let's go. That's for you. 11, Devin Ross. Ryan Moeller. Okay, 10, Ryan Moeller for us. 10, Juwan Winfrey. This is where I kind of uh, took a chance on a guy who – by all accounts, and we talked about this by all accounts last year, and you guys talked about this in your reason for ranking Bryce Bobo lower, is Juwan Winfrey was supposed to be the starting wide receiver out there, um, not Bryce Bobo. And everything we've heard about the guy is positive. Now, I haven't heard much hype about him this year because he's still coming back from an injury, but we've reached a point now where guys come back from that injury usually – as good as they were. He should be healthy right around now. I haven't heard anything about him in a month, but that's what they were saying to me about a month ago. Number nine, we had Rick Gamboa. Number nine, Derek McCartney. We're higher on DMAC. We'll show that in a second. Number eight, we had Foe. Uh, number eight, I have Steven Montes. That's a good pick. Number seven, Jeremy Irwin. Number seven, Bryce Bobo. So what's the differential on that one? Five. Okay, that's about the biggest one we've had. Well, Afolabe Laguda was 8-13, to 13, so 5 on that. Too. Yep, so 5 is as big as we've had. I think Bryce Bobo is a really good player. Um, I don't know where he's going to play. That's my problem. See, I think you guys are are kind of underestimating how much they're probably going to rotate these guys. I think they're going to rotate them a lot, but I think I'm going to have a hard time taking Jawan Winfrey off the field once I put him on. And you might say, okay, well, why was he lower on your list? It's because I'm projecting the top 20 buffs right now. I'm not saying that Jawan Winfrey. I'm not saying Bryce Bobo is going to have a better year than Jawan Winfrey. I'm saying as of now, Bryce Bobo is a better player coming into the year than Jawan Winfrey. I think Jawan Winfrey is going to have a better year than Bryce Bobo. Yeah, see, that's where these things confuse me because, like, I guess you're it's it's before the season, so you're kind of project. You have to kind you're of projecting project. a little bit, but like you're also going off of what you know. So in a way, I mean, it's like the preseason top twenty-five rankings. They're so meaningless. They are. And this is obviously as meaningless as it gets. Right. This, this means nothing. It really does mean zero things. Uh, but it's fun to talk about. So we had Jeremy Irwin, number seven. That I have – wait, I had you Bobo said, at seven, so yep. you're down to six. Exactly. Okay, I was just yeah. – number six, Derek McCartney. Number six, Jeremy Irwin. Both uh, – I think we both realize how important Jeremy Irwin was to Sefo Lufau. Uh, we saw that basically last year between Sefo being – healthy-ish most of the year compared to not healthy at the end. And I think that's a big tribute to Jeremy Irwin. I, 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 this net six up was really hard for me because I, I think Jeremy Irwin is huge. I mean, you look, you look at the NFL, the most important position is left tackle. Like, everyone needs a left tackle. And you've got a basically a rookie quarterback, so to speak, now in there for the Buffs. Uh, so although he does Jeremy have Jeremy Irwin is huge for them. 
And you're talking about a fifth-year senior now. This guy is... Sixth year. Sixth year, sorry. Sixth year senior. This this is a man. You're literally trotting a man out onto the field with a bunch of kids. Jeremy he's, Irwin is going to be awesome. He's the only player left on the team that played for a different coach, I think. Like, <laughs> Jeremy Irwin's like a couple years away from getting ARP. <laughs> jokes begin. It's the Jared <laughs> Bell jokes all over again. Yeah, I, I got him lined up. Like, Jeremy Irwin blocked for Wizard White. Or Weezer, as I call him. Oh, my God. Jeremy, Jeremy Irwin was a fan of Weezer. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, we had six. Derek McCartney, who is the veteran leader of the defense in my mind. I think people forgot about Underrated. how good Derek McCartney is. Uh, you look Where was at, this defense last year with Derek McCartney? Right. This defense is the best in the history of CU with Derek McCartney healthy, in my opinion. Potential. Uh, number five, Steven Montez for us. Steven Montez was where for you? Number nine or number eight? Number eight. Number eight. Uh, obviously, you all know the reasons. We talk about the quarterbacks enough. Number four, Tim Lynott. Number four for me is Tim Lynott. Yep. Pretty easy pick there. I think Tim Lynott is a hog in the best definition of that. Uh, number three, Shea Fields. Number three, Isaiah Oliver. Ooh, number two, Isaiah Oliver. Number two, Shea Fields. There you go. To me, I got to go with the more proven guy here. Look. I'll take credit this for I'll take credit for this forever. I literally watched Isaiah Oliver walk onto the field as a freshman and do like one thing and I was like NFL. But Shea Fields is has a chance to walk away with all the records that were only broken just a few years ago with Nelson Spruce. You're talking about a guy who will go down in maybe the top five receivers of all time at CU. I'm, I edited it's Sam's story for number three. I edited it. I made Sam include. He's gonna. I'm like he has the chance to go down as the greatest receiver in the history of this program uh, with this year. And then at, when at least cons- numbers wise. And, and and well, and I think if you consider the fact that he was Mike McIntyre's first huge recruit, he stepped onto this campus and he's done nothing but shove the entire time. Uh, that's a baseball term. It means good been nothing but good the entire time and he's been a leader within this program although he's not a captain he's been a leader within this program guys uh surround him he's always had a good attitude he's always spoken to the media uh this is a guy who has represented the rise pretty well and I actually had shit too as well uh but he was down a little bit because I think I think Chase and Sam both had him at three and Isaiah at two but I think Shea is the guy this year on this football team like people I mean Phil Lindsay's obviously another field but Shea Fields is like I think people are going to be talking about Shea Fields just as much as anyone on this team and it's going to be one of those things kind of like with Tedrick Thompson this season where Shea Fields is going to make a bunch of big huge clutch plays I think here's my bold prediction right here Shea Fields leads the nation in touchdowns of over 50 yards this year Steven Montez wow you, they're going to trot him out for those two two cupcake games, uh, week two and three, and just throw that same play that they like had Sefo throw eight times. They're like, Sefo, you're throwing the deep route to Shea until you complete it. We're calling it every single time, and you're going to throw it until you complete it. And that's what they're going to do. Look, remember the Oregon State game? He had three TDs in the first half, then stepped off the field. 196. You know who's the quarterback? Steven Montez. He was on his way to having the best game ever by a CU receiver that game. And he just decided, ah. He's like, I'm good. Too good for the second half. We're going we're gonna to go play. Uh, we're thinking about Pac-12 championship, not just beating Oregon State harder. 
I don't know if they're thinking about the Pac-12 championship this year. So, Shay, go out and break all those individual games. So, <laughs> we're talking about a deep threat now with a guy who has a rocket. And he is such a clean route runner. And he, he, he I mean, he's never excelled at catching balls over the middle. But from what I know about Shea off the field is he wants to do more of that. And that's a good sign, too, because then all of a sudden you're not just putting him on the outside. And the other factor, which we haven't even talked about, is Shea's going to be in single coverage all year. I mean, that's this ridiculous. Offense, this offense is going to be so lethal. Like, so lethal. Like, you're going to have Shea one-on-one two out of every three plays. At least. At least, yeah. How are you going to cover Shea Fields, uh, Devin Ross, Bryce Bobo, and Juwan Winfrey? Like, I forgot Jay McIntyre. Jay McIntyre. <laughs> they could go five wide with those dudes. How are you going to guard all of them? You know what? If one of them gets tired, KB Onento had an amazing spring. And you've got a stable full of freshmen who are fast. You've got Jalen Jackson. You've got Katie Nixon. Johnny Huntley's still around. You've got Johnny Huntley still around. Like, there is so much talent on the offensive side of the ball. Curtis Chevarini. You never it's, know. He's got the name. It's ridiculous. I'm ta- Senior year, watch out for him. Seriously, I'm, I'm serious with that one. I'm like, I think Curtis will step up to be a contributor to this team at some point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I'm telling you, this offense is so unbelievably lethal, and we haven't even talked about number one on this list yet. Well, number two, Isaiah Oliver. He was number three for you. I think the reasons are obvious. I think we talk about Isaiah an just NFL enough. Po- he's an NFL football player. Right. He's, he's terrific. And uh, the big question for me about Isaiah going into this year is, does he stick around for a senior year? And I think that's a legitimate question. Uh, one that we really didn't have to ask with Cheeto. You asked, asked it. it. You asked it, but I, no one was even thinking of asking even it. Even Cheeto was like kind of surprised that I asked it, and I still think he would have been a top four-round pick. I think he was like, oh, I could have gone to the NFL this year. It's like, wait, I can do that? <laughs> uh, number what one if on that the, happened? He's like, wait, I didn't think of I'm what in. if Mac Declared. had been, like, telling him all along, like, oh, yeah, you can't do it because, like, there's this rule. Like, like guys from Africa are <laughs> Jesus. crazy. That wasn't meant that way. I know, That was I meant, know. like, a foreign player can't. Right, right, right. Like, international players have to play, like, whatever. play a certain amount of years. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> That's how it is in Japanese What if that baseball? happened and I was like, hey, are you going to the NFL this year? And he's like, wait, I thought I couldn't go. Like, I can? All right, see ya. Anyways. Isaiah Oliver, NFL football player. Uh, and he's going to be massive for this team. The thing is, again, though, you're only as good as the guys around you. All those guys around him need to step up because he had a lot of cover for him last like year. Like we saw NFL football player, player Cheeto in a defense that didn't have a lot of guys covering for him. Right. We all knew Cheeto was going to the NFL, but the rest of that defense wasn't terrific. So, yeah, I mean, that guy's fantastic, but I can't stop thinking about this offense. How are you, you going to stop them? If Steven Montez is – anything what he can be you cannot stop this offense well let's say well maybe they can stop steven montez and maybe you play four corners you decide the buffs are going to spread it so you play four corners two safeties or even five corners and two safeties something like that well you forgot that there's still one other weapon on the field in that spread offense and that's number one on our list phil Lindsay. the beast my god i mean and you'll remember this as much as anyone. When this guy was a sophomore, you, me, mostly me, but you, I mean, I remember Joe Paris and, and Andrew Hobner. I was like, give this guy the ball every time because he's the best running back on the entire team. 
He's the hungriest player on the and team. And they kept giving it to Christian Powell, baby. And they kept handing the ball to Christian Powell. But is Michael Atkins thing? still on this team to take away? <laughs> <laughs> that's a thing of the past. Last year they learned feed Phil all day. Feed the beast. Like, let that man eat. It's funny. Every pregame video, Ali asked me what's the key to the game. Every time, honestly, hey, you just got to feed Phil and you'll win the game. Every time. And he, Sam wrote it in her story. Uh when the Buffs lost their four games, I think Phil Lindsay had a combined 69 yards or something like that. Or it's nice. averaged to 69 yards. What I was going to say is I, I, you could probably go back and find a different way of looking at that stat. Anytime he touched the ball 20 times or more, I guarantee you they won. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I could see that too. Because they, they lost four games. And, yeah. And if you think about yeah, the four he, games, he, he was a non-factor in all four. So this is a guy now who they finally figured out just hand him the ball and let him go all day, every day. And you're about to see maybe the, the best season by a Colorado-bred football player for the University of Colorado. Now, of course, I mean, you can go back into the history books and find some really, really great guys. But Phil has a chance, at least in, the, in, modern, in modern day football, this, is a, this has a chance to be one of the best Colorado-bred players' seasons for CU ever. And he's going to go down as one of the best buffs ever, period, in terms of, like, what it means to be a buff. Like, just give him the Buffalo Heart Award now. I'll, I'll be saying that all offseason. It's just a waste of time. Like, it's like waiting for Peyton Manning to go into Hall of Fame. I think it's stupid. You know he's the Buffalo Heart Award winner. And... He's one of the great. He's gonna go down as one of the greatest busts of all time. People are gonna be talking about Phil Lindsay forever, because every single time there's a player who's like weak-minded or isn't all in, everyone's just gonna be like, "God, remember Phil Lindsay? Like he was everything you could ever dream of." Phil Lindsay is literally the perfect player for a fan, perfect player for a coach too. But there's nothing better than a player who cares about the program, who cares about the state that he represents, who, who that he represents, who cares about his teammates who cares about everything and so little about himself than Phil Lindsay. And honestly talking about how like Phil Lindsay gives me goosebumps because he's that special in terms of when you build a football player, what you want. And uh, I'm really, really excited to watch what he can do this senior year. I wrote this story covering the Rockies this year for the rest of your life you'll be talking about Nolan Arenado's 2017 I think I'm going to rewrite that exact same thing for Phil Lindsay uh, because it's applicable and I'm talking about a guy Nolan Arenado that's probably going to win the first and has the potential to win the first MVP in Colorado Rockies history if not he's going to finish two like Todd Helton did in 2001 to Paul Goldschmidt but point being you're looking at a guy in Phil Lindsay who's the first legitimate Heisman candidate for the Buffs in what 15 20 years Chris Brown was in there so that's 2001. 20 years. Yeah. Basically, 15 years. 15 years. And, you know, Phil is a guy. Actually, didn't Cepho, like, somehow get a vote some, at some point last year? I think that actually happened. I don't know. But he wasn't a candidate. Right, right. I think, I think when, you, when you look at Phil, you see the heart of this team. And you call it the Buffalo heart, whatever. It's the heart of this team. Mike McIntyre is not the heart of this team. Phil Lindsay is. And I'm almost scared to see what happens once Phil Lindsay leaves uh, the CU Buffs to see who distills that Colorado nature because no one represents Colorado the way Phil Lindsay does. No one in the entire state 
there ain't Kyle Freeland pitches for the Colorado Rockies, played in Denver, grew up in Denver, loves Colorado. He literally has a tattoo that says he does everything in life for the mountains. Kyle Freeland, true Coloradan. Phil Lindsay, that to another level. And I'm a guy that considers himself a Coloradan now, despite whatever you say. I've lived here for 10 years. You are as much as you can get Coloradan. When we talk about these guys uh, and the listeners that are guys from Colorado, which I think a majority of our listeners are really Colorado people, you love these guys. I mean, I love Ty Block on the Giants because he is a guy I played in high school. He played in Denver. He represents Denver. He talks about Denver all the time. You know, you end up loving these guys, and no one talks about Denver. No one talks about the University of Colorado, Boulder, the mountains, the city, more than Phil Lindsay. And every time he starts doing it, it gets me hyped. And, oh, yeah, he's a pretty good football player, too, like really good. And the things he did last year from the perspective of my, my own, uh, just high up on the field, I didn't want to be anywhere near him. He was hurting dudes at five foot seven. He was putting dudes away. Like, them dudes didn't want to play football anymore after Phil Lindsay touched them. And then, oh yeah, not only did he run them over at five foot seven, he sped past half them too. Like, he was really, really good last year, very quietly, I think, like compared to what he should have been. And the Buffs weren't running like this major run offense. Yeah, they were running a little bit of a spread option with Cepho, but. It was If they're running the ball, they're giving it to Phil if they want more than two or three yards. And Phil's going to have to do a majority of this work, too, because our offensive line really isn't that good. And our wide receivers, okay, we talked about them blocking, but that wide receiver blocking kind of diminished over the course of the year. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be uh, as much as you've seen a Colorado team put on the back uh, of a player – as you've seen in a while. And, and like, like I said, this offense is explosive without Phil Lindsay. Like I, you could put, like if you take Phil Lindsay off this roster and you just tell me right now, Kyle Evans is the starting running back. I'm still like, wow, this offense is explosive. Phil Lindsay takes this offense to the ability to be special. I mean, really special. Like what the defense was for this team last year, the offense has that ability this year. Uh, this is like a chance to be off the charts, one of the best offenses CU's had in a really long time, and on on the back of Phil Lindsay because he is the leader of this team, the heartbeat of this team, offense, defense, special teams. I don't care what you're talking about. He is the guy that this team rallies around, and he is going to – I'm just so excited for it to be his team, you know, because it was Cepho's team for a long time, and that was awesome. But this year, it's, it's Phil Lindsay's team. Like, he's standing on a podium in front of everyone. And it's going to be so cool to me to see what he can do, to see the type of leadership that he puts upon this offense and this entire team, and to watch Mike McIntyre give him the freedom to take this team on his back. I'm, it's going to be amazing. That's going to wrap up the BSN Buffs podcast for today. We'll be back most likely next week. If not, you can catch all of our content on bsndenver.com. You should catch all of our content on bsndenver.com either way. Good luck to our, a lot of our friends who are playing in that TBT tournament on, on, starting on Friday. Uh, we hope you get the money, and we hope for you, the Buffs fans that listen to the show, uh, a lot of you have sponsorships in this, so if they win money, you win too. So uh, 
despite us not really being able to root for the buffs, this isn't the buffs. This is Team Colorado, and we are rooting, rooting hard for them. So stay tuned to that, and uh, we will catch you very soon. So uh, stick around, and we'll see you soon.